Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. It's Shep Hyken. We are back with another episode of Amazing Business Radio, and I am so excited because today we are going to be talking with Chuck Surak, who is the CEO and founder of Sweetwater and a number of other sweet businesses. No kidding. Uh, that word sweet ties into just about everything he does. But Sweetwater, for those who don't know, is an amazing music company. And what he has done to uh, separate himself from the competition, to really distance himself from others, is it's just short of amazing, which is why we call this Amazing Business Radio. I'll come back and give an intro to him in just a moment. But in the meantime, a few things. Every time we dive into this before our interview, if you have a question, if you've got a story you want to share, please reach out to me on all the social media channels like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. You know it. I'm there. And use the hashtag Ask. Shep, and don't forget about my TV show, Be Amazing or Go Home, which is on Amazon Prime, Apple TV, Roku, et cetera, et cetera. And now just go to uh, beamazing.tv and you can actually see all the episodes on YouTube. Yes, they let me put it on YouTube. So with that in mind, let's jump into talking with Chuck Zarek, the founder and CEO of Sweetwater. I'm looking at this list of other businesses, 10 other businesses, including sweet cars, sweet aviation, sweet helicopters, and it goes on and on. But let's just talk about Chuck. Right now, he's in the studio, so to speak, remotely. How are you? I'm doing great, Chef. Thanks for having me on, and it's a real pleasure to speak with you and your audience today. We're going to have fun. I have been a fan of Sweetwater for years and years, and uh, gosh, where do I start? You know, I'm a musician myself, but more as a hobbyist than anything else, even though I've had the honor of playing with some great people. But you're, every time I've called to purchase something or to consider purchasing something, it's an amazing experience. Now, this is what blew me away. You have 500 sales engineers, which I think is a fancy word for saying really smart people who sell at Sweetwater. And I thought, wow, 500 employees. No, you've got 1,800 employees. And such an important focus of that is on customer service and experience. So let's just start with the Sweetwater story and tell us how it evolved and how you recognize that service was the differentiator. Sure. Well, I appreciate those kind words. And I pinch myself every day. I started the company 41 years ago in, in my VW bus. Uh, it was a hand-me-down from my parents. They gave it to me in my junior year of high school. And I, uh, my mom had wrecked it, and, uh, and I ended up filling the front of the bus with two gallons of Bondo, put some headlights on from Tractor Supply that looked like bug eyes, and I uh, spray-painted the bus with 99-cent cans of blue spray paint from Kmart. And that's really how I finished wow. my junior and senior year of high school. And immediately after high school, I went on the road as a musician. I played saxophone and keyboards. And back in those days, you could play six nights a week at various nightclubs and restaurants and that sort of thing. And I played all over the country. And after playing on the road for almost five years, and uh, I enjoyed it, but living out of suitcases and hotels and apartments and not making a lot of money, I decided to come home and do something different. And my different was I started a recording studio with that VW bus. And I would pull the bus alongside the school, the church, the nightclub, and I'd run 200 feet of microphone cables in. I'd mic up the band, the choir, the preacher, whatever it was. And I'd sit in the bus with headphones and a reel-to-reel tape recorder, and I would record those artists or those musicians, those singers. And I would take the recordings to my very modest 12 by 55 mobile home that I lived in. And that's where I would edit them and mix them, put EQ on them. Make them way, that's not a double wide. 
12. No, no, it was a single wide, all 12 <laughs> feet wide. I think 12 feet was the outside dimensions. The insides were probably even smaller. But uh, that's what I did for a couple of years. And, and really, I, I started with nothing uh, other than the VW bus that was beat up. And after a couple of years of doing that, I moved into my first real commercial location. Well, almost commercial location. It was a house and right next to me was zoned commercial and where I was was still residential. But I built a two uh, car garage on the end of it and that became my first commercial recording studio. And uh, what really changed my business and trying to make a long story kind of short so we have more time to talk. But in 1983, 84, I got to go to the NAM show in Chicago. NAM stands for National Association of Music Merchants. It's where all the music dealers would go to see all the latest equipment. And I went with a friend of mine who owned a music store here in town. And here in town happens to be Fort Wayne, Indiana. But uh, he took me to this show and I saw a prototype of the Kurzweil K250. And it was the first synthesizer that played back digital recordings of other instruments. Up until then, we had electric pianos, we had organs, we had synthesizers. But this actually played back digital recordings of other instruments. And I thought, how cool would that be in my own recording studio? At the end of every session, I could ask my customer if they'd like to hear it with an upright bass or a 50-voice uh, choir or a 45-piece string section. It was a way that I could add value to their music. And I thought it'd be just a great instrument. So I bought one of the very early ones, brought it back to Fort Wayne, Indiana. And before long, I started reverse engineering how it worked. I'd always been technical, taught myself how to do technology, how to do recording, even computer programming in the early days. And with this Kurzweil K250, I reverse engineered how it worked, started designing my own sounds for it. And I thought I would trade sounds with other users. Well, the other users were very famous musicians back then. Stevie Wonder, Kenny Rogers, Dolly Parton, Bob I've heard, of a, I've heard of those people. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I would call them up. It was a brotherhood. And I'd say, oh, you have a K250. I have one too. Let's trade sounds. And they would always say, well, I don't have any sounds for mine, but I sure would like to use your sounds. And so Stevie Wonder took my sounds and he gave me credits on his characters album. Kenny Rogers started using my sounds on all of his albums. And, and I quickly got the reputation of being the guy that knew this Kurzweil K250. And those famous friends and not so famous friends started hiring me to go around and upgrade their Kurzweil's, put my sounds in it, put my software in it, do upgrades from the factory. And before long, my business had changed from being just a recording studio to now helping my friends with their Kurzweil's. And I'll never forget, I got a call in the late 80s from a friend down in Louisiana. And he says, Chuck, I want to do sheet music on the computer. And I said, well, I know how to do that. I'm already doing that in my own recording studio. And so I became a dealer for the sheet music software. At that time, it was called Total Music. And there was another product called Professional Composer. So you would and, play on the keyboard and then it would automatically trans or go into the computer and you, it could print out whatever you were playing. Exactly. And wow. today that's very easy. But in the late 80s, that was just unheard yeah. of. Yeah. Um, but I had a studio, again, that was pretty technologically advanced. And so I'd been into that kind of equipment for a while. And so I started helping my friends with music software, start helping them with additional Kurzweil K250s. It got to the point that Kenny Rogers carried 14 of these K250s on the road because he was reproducing at that time about 40 years of his biggest hits. And he could go from a, an orchestral or a classical piece to a rock piece, to a pop piece, to jazz. And so he would have six or eight of these machines on stage for musicians to play. He'd have a couple in the green room, a couple in the bus, at his lake home, all that sort of thing. And, wow. wow. And uh, I was just helping my friends. That's really all it was, helping my friends with their equipment, with their stuff. And, but I know you as a retailer. Yep. And so that, that's where the business really started changing. 1989, 1990, I was still operating now out of another home. It was a small split level house. 
And I was having people come to my home all hours of the day to buy Kurzweil parts, to buy recording software. Uh, I had become an emulator, an emu dealer by that point, and eventually a Fostex and Tascam recording equipment dealer. And my business changed from being a recording studio to helping my friends with their music equipment. And finally said, enough's enough. And I built my first commercial building in 1990. Uh, it was about three doors away from my house, which is kind of funny. And it was a 5,000 square foot building. And I moved in the next year with, with six employees. And then we were there for the next 17 years. And the following year, we added another uh, 20,000 square feet on, 20 employees. And we finally moved out in 2006. And by then, we'd already pretty much had our reputation. But we moved out in 2006 with 200 employees into the location we're at today, into a 40,000 square foot building. We've since added on and added on, and we're now just under a million square feet and with the 1,800 employees that you mentioned. And we sell basically everything that's used on stage, in the studio, churches, schools, that sort of thing. Wow, uh, what, a, what a history. Yeah, when did you re recognize there had to be an element to separate you from your competition, which obviously that is, you're selling the same thing that, uh, I, don't, I know it's probably a dirty word, but you're selling the same thing as Guitar Center. Sure. Well, there's actually 5,000 music stores in the United States alone. And then, of course, there's Amazon. Right. And, you know, I will tell you, it goes back really early for me. I, was, I grew up as a Boy Scout. And Boy Scouts today are not maybe as popular as they were when I was a kid. Um, but a Boy Scout learns to always treat people well, treat people yep. the way you would want to be treated. And the Scout law says that a Boy Scout is trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, clean, brave, and reverent. Bang. Bang. That's Amazing memorized. Yeah, I do have it memorized. <laughs> Uh, but they're amazing principles to live by personally, but I also think they're great principles to live by professionally. And I just have always felt that I want to treat people the way I would want to be treated. And I empower all my employees to do whatever they need to do to take care of the customer, not for this transaction, but to take care of the customer forever. And then we found that the business sort of just takes care of itself. And frankly, whether it does or doesn't is somewhat immaterial to me. I want to do the right thing for people so I can lay my head on my pillow at night. Uh, but, you know, customer service has been an issue for me for my whole life. I've always felt if it's worth doing, do it really, really well. And uh, it happens to be a competitive advantage, especially today when it's hard to differentiate yourself. But that's not why I did it in the early days. I did it in the early days because it was just the right thing to do. Yep. So today, one of the big focuses you have is on one-to-one -one personal communication. Um, I know 500, I was shocked when I read 500 sales engineers and then Obviously, another 1,300 employees supporting everything that's going on behind the scenes. Uh, but what are you doing to personalize the experience? Well, we do lots of things. Uh, first off, just the level of people that we hire. Uh, we, we try and find the very, very best. They usually have a four-year music technology degree or maybe a lot of experience somewhere else. And then as a sales engineer, we bring them in to what we call Sweetwater University. So for 13 weeks, eight hours a day, 300 classes taught by 80 different teachers. Uh, we're teaching them everything from what we call the perfect conversation, uh, which is, you know, how to develop relationships with customers. We teach them how to use our information system, which you can imagine is very, very deep. And then we teach them a little bit about products, although most of them come in quite knowledgeable on the products. We just kind of brush that up. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's a, it's, a, it's a commitment, not just from them, but from everyone in our company to make sure we're always, always, always doing the right thing for the customer. And it's grounded and founded on the simple thing of always telling the truth, always doing what you say you're going to do back to the Boy Scouts. And it's okay to not know. What's not okay is to lie or bluff or guess, because if you do, it takes about three, well, probably 500 milliseconds today, and someone will Google it, and they'll find out that you're a liar. And then they believe that if you're a liar, that must mean everyone at Sweetwater is a liar. Right. 
right? I, I just firmly believe that everyone in our company, from our receptionists to our warehouse folks and everywhere in between, has the ability to either add credibility or take credibility away from the brand that we've worked so hard for. And obviously, I want people to add to that credibility. But right. we're just always working on sharpening our tools, sharpening our knives, making sure that we're providing the best customer service that we can possibly provide. It's yeah. not that we say we don't make mistakes. We do make mistakes. We're human. But how we handle those mistakes, I think, is what really sets us apart, really makes us different. Yeah, I remember um, ordering something as inexpensive as like a cable of some kind from you. And uh, I was surprised with the follow-up experience from, uh, I guess, one of your sales folks following up just to make sure I was happy with the cable. You know, imagine if I'd have bought, you know, a $5,000 guitar. Uh, you might come over and visit me and hang out for them. <laughs> sure, I'd come over. Uh, yeah, we do that. We try and do that on every sale. I'll tell you right now, we have been so, so busy and slammed. It's a little bit hard to do, but we do try and follow up on all the calls just to make sure the experience is good. And again, we're really about the relationship. And you hit on that earlier in the, in the conversation. We have every one of our sales engineers always talk to the same customer, or maybe the other way around. The customer always talks to the same sales engineer, unless the sales engineer is on vacation or that sort of thing. But I start to learn things about you. I learn your dreams and your aspiration, maybe your spouse's name, your children's name, your dog's name, everything we need to know to develop a relationship so I can make good recommendations in the future. Yeah, love it. Hey, let's take a quick break. When we come back, there's so much more I want to talk to you about. Everybody, we are talking to Chuck Surek, the founder and CEO of Sweetwater. Do not go away. More amazement to come. We'll be right back. Are you ready to be amazing? Of course you are. And that's why you tune into Amazing Business Radio. If you like what you're hearing here, you're going to love my new TV show, Be Amazing or Go Home. Each episode is devoted to sharing ideas to help you be amazing in both your business and personal lives. We also feature an app or technology every week that you're going to find fascinating, and we always have at least two guests on the show. The show is now available on Amazon Prime, Roku, C-Suite TV, and more, so the choice is yours. Be amazing or go home. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio. I want to talk about the sweet water difference because uh, we kind of started to get into that. The personalization that you have where I have my inside person uh, that I enjoy doing business with at Sweetwater that I'm going to get to know. They're going to get to know me. And whoever he or she is is going to make suggestions, help me. If there's a new piece of gear that they know I've been looking at or thinking about, who knows what. But let's talk about what you consider to be the sweet water difference. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, there are 5,000 music stores across the country, and some of them are really, really good. Most of them are good. But I will also tell you, most of them have minimum wage employees working at the counter, and they're there until they get their next gig, whether that's a playing gig or maybe a gig in another industry. It's just a hard, hard business. I'd also tell you that most of the stores today have a hard time representing all of, of the brands. You know, we represent probably 2,000 brands, 60,000 different items here. And we're fortunate to have the economy of scale. We do so much business that we can stock all that. Uh, no disrespect to the local stores that are run really, really well, or even Guitar Center or Sam Ash, which I think are great chains for what they do. And by the way, I jokingly said, you know, for you, Guitar Center might be a dirty word. I mean, I love Guitar Center too. They're, they're an awesome company. And, but looking uh, how you compete, you're a single place, a single source. Sam Ash, um, and I, there's not a Sam Ash in St. Louis. I wasn't even sure how many Sam Ashes there still are, but Guitar Center, they're here. They have several locations. You know, they're, they're, I would call them the big box stores, 
uh, you are a big box store with no S at the end, so to speak. <laughs> That's true. But yeah, yeah I, worldwide recognition. You know, I, I appreciate that. And, and I have all the respect in the world for, for Guitar Center with their 300 stores. Sam Ash has nearly 50 stores. I'm friends with Richard Ash and great people, great people. Been around nearly 100 years, high 90s, high 90 years. I, I can't imagine being in business that long. They do a lot of stuff really, really well. And I would just say we do things differently. And clearly having the, the sales engineers that really know their stuff, really know the background, having a, a wide, wide variety of inventory that it's hard for even a, a Guitar Center or Sam Ash or any of the other 5,000 stores to have. Uh, we can do that because we're in one location. We're central here in Indiana, so we get to a big part of the country. But I would tell you the other competition, of course, is Amazon. And, you know, a lot of the big box stores in every industry are concerned about Amazon. Yeah. And, and they do a great job. They were shipping in two days. Now they're shipping in one day. Soon they're going to ship it on a drone or deliver it to your house in two hours or go pick it up at their store. But what you can't do at Amazon is call Amazon and go, how do I use my Apple computer with a market unicorn interface and plug in my Pro Tools software and my Gibson Les Paul into it. And you can't call Amazon and get any sort of advice like that. We can do that at Sweetwater all day long. And that's the difference. So each one of my sales engineers are doing 100 to 150 phone calls a day, depending on how busy they are, just answering questions. And I will tell you, with the thousands and thousands of products, there's so many combinations and possibilities that every system is different. Amazon can't do that. And a local store doesn't have enough experience or enough people walking in the door to be able to do that. And that you, really is the Sweetwater difference. Yeah, how do you, even in three weeks of onboarding, train people? Uh, obviously, there's, there's specialists. I'm not going to talk to the person who's going to sell me a guitar. They may not be able to sell me some of the equipment that you just mentioned that I can't pronounce. <laughs> no, I, I know Pro Tools and, and right. I'm, I'm, I'm sure they're specialists. So I might have more than one side, one inside person or no, no, I have no, a no, main no. person. How does it work? Sure. No, there's 13 weeks, 13 weeks, not three, 13 weeks. That oh, every sales I, thought, I thought I said 13, 13 weeks. Yeah. Yeah. 13. That's about uh, every a sales, quarter of the year. Yeah. Every sales engineer goes through that. And then after that, every Tuesday morning and every Thursday morning for the rest of your career here, you have another hour and a half to two hours of training. Um, and so they're always, always getting uh, dumped into. Their brains are getting dumped into. But I will tell you that every one of our sales engineers can sell everything, and they're pretty darn good at it. I would tell you that my worst sales engineer on his worst category is probably better than the good guy at most stores around the country. And really? Yeah, and I don't mean that arrogantly, but because of the training, and they also have neighborhoods of people around them. So if they get a customer that has some really tweaky question, you know, some technical thing of some sort, all they have to do is mute their mic for one second and they can ask the guy next to them, what would you do here? And, and so that expertise is just filtered throughout the whole department. Uh, we've got lots of tools online that special in-house databases. So all the sales engineers can see the technical things of how many ins and outs and levels and voltages and all that sort of stuff. And, so they're pretty darn knowledgeable about everything they sell. Now, I will tell you over time, the guys that are drummers tend to have more drum customers, you know, start to relate to them. And guitar players tend to have more guitarists, but uh, any of us can really sell anything. And, and that's great. I like that. Um, and 13 weeks, it's a quarter of the year. And so I've, I've just got to know, how do you hire? I, I know you hire people that already, do they have music degrees? Do, you, you mentioned degrees. Uh, I know there's probably some music experience. I don't think I'm going to apply to you if I don't have a love for music or even much knowledge of music. It probably probably wouldn't work. Uh, unless yeah, we you a, need an accountant and 
I'm just, you know, it doesn't matter what business I'm in at that point. Right, right. But I will even tell you our accountants and our COO and CF, all the, all the folks around here have some sort of music in their background, either with them, their spouse, their kids. You know, they, they usually bleed it pretty good or they won't it's be It's culture. Yes, culture. But back to your question. Yeah, most of them have a music technology degree. Uh, there are several schools from Full Sail down in Florida, uh, Miami School of Music. I mean, on and on and on. There's probably 20, 25 schools around the country that give degrees in music technology or some sort of experience like that. Berkeley School of Music out in Boston, mm -hmm. on and on and on. Yeah, my daughter attended uh, Berkeley and my son uh, tried out and they said, you got the blues thing down real good, but you just don't know how to read music. Huh. Uh, and now he writes music for every instrument. It's amazing. Uh, anyway, I digress. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking of, of Zappos, okay, and how Tony Shea puts people into just a two-week program. Uh, might be longer now, but uh, – and then within the first couple of days, comes in and says, hey, are you happy? Do you, or maybe it's a few days into it. Are you happy? Do you like it? Do you want to leave? How do you know if you made a good hire? Because you're investing a quarter of a year into uh, knowing whether or not they're going to come out to be okay. Yeah, he's famous for actually paying people to leave. If you right. want to leave now, leave. Yeah, and uh, we'll we, pay you to do it. We'll pay you. To, we don't quite do that at Sweetwater, but we do through the process of 13 weeks, we do a lot of testing. And so it's, it's kind of like getting your doctorate. Um, the folks are working on all kinds of things during that 13 weeks. Uh, we don't lose many people. We lose a few where it's just, whoa, it's over their head or, you know, the pace is faster than they thought. The real challenge is six to nine months in, then you know if they're going to stick or not. And, it takes yeah, and what's the long. difference? What makes that difference? How do you know? Because I think from a standpoint of hiring good people, right. this is an important question. You know, one of the questions or one of the things we always look at more than the degree here, I'm the guy leading the whole company. I don't have a college. Well, I have three honorary degrees, but I don't have any legitimate college degrees. And, um, but we're looking for fire in the belly. We're looking for people that are just on and you can just tell and if they can connect with customers, they can connect with fellow coworkers. They got a real good shot of being successful. If on the other hand, they're pretty insulated and, and intro looking at each other or themselves, they may have trouble. They have to be people, people persons, if you will. Um, but more than the technical, it's just tell the truth and be on fire. Want, you know, just have that desire to win, that desire to be successful. And yep. again, it takes about six, seven, eight months, whether it's sales or frankly, any other role here to really start to see what a person's made of and whether they'll be successful or not. Wow. That's great. And I know uh, we talked a little bit about it, but your motto is always do the right thing. And I love that. Um, explain, and we've only got a few minutes left. Maybe there's a story where you know you did the right thing, but it was tough because some people I know take advantage of others. Yeah. You know, first off, I, I refuse to punish the majority based on one or two people or a small Amen. Thing. Amen. So we have very few rules around here. In fact, to the contrary, I tell everyone in this company, whether they're in the warehouse, whether they're a receptionist, they're empowered to do whatever it takes to take care of the customer. And I literally mean that. If that means replacing a keyboard, replacing a guitar, if that means paying an Uber ride or buying lunch, whatever they need to do, I know the level of employees that are working for me. I know the training they've gone through. I want them to do their role as if they're the owner of the company. They will never get in trouble for doing too much. They will get in trouble or get talked about at least if they do too little. I never ever want to hear, oh, I need to talk to my manager. I think that's a crazy, crazy thing with the level of people we have. So at Sweetwater, you would never hear, well, I need manager approval on that. That just doesn't happen. Yep. Every person here is employed to do the right thing for the customers all the time. 
I am sure there's been plenty of examples in the past where we've been taken advantage of, but I think far, far more where we've just done the right thing. And maybe it wasn't even our fault. Maybe it was a manufacturer problem. I, I can think of many times where I've replaced keyboards that were literally two years out of warranty, but had broken multiple times and to no fault of the customers. And, and I just took it on the chin and replaced it because I want to do the right thing for the customer long-term. Right. I love that. All right. We're down to the very end. I get to ask one last question. And that is the one last thing you'd love to share with our audience today. What would that be? You know what I would share with your audience? And I talk to my employees about this all the time, probably a little different than what you might think of, but every one of us that works at Sweetwater is very fortunate, very blessed. We've got a roof over our head. Uh, we probably have three square meals a day, maybe a car or two or more. And not everybody in the country, not everybody in the world is that lucky and that blessed. And we're one incident, one accident, one just horrific thing away of, of potentially being homeless or being in a situation where we need someone else's help. And so I just always encourage others to give back, to help, and to think about the other person. You don't know what's going on in their life today. And maybe they just had a bad start to the day or maybe something's really serious. But I just always, always look for the good in people, not the bad in people. All right. I hear two big messages. The, what you just said, look for the good and not the bad in people. And also here, uh, we have to, ha I, I think it's important everybody have it, an attitude of gratitude, uh, be, to be thankful for what we have, because it could be a lot worse in other parts of the world and other situations. So Chuck, this has been an amazing experience. Uh, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and what you do over at Sweetwater. Uh, can't tell you how much uh, we appreciate you being with us. Thank you, Chef. I enjoyed it. I hope the audience got something out of it today. Oh, I know. And I know I did as well. So that wraps up another episode of Amazing Business Radio. We will be back next week with another interview. And I hope you join us for that one. Until that time, this is Chef Hyken saying and reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.